Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 11. Turn to John chapter 11. And I want to read to you a couple of verses that are going to kind of set the tone for our day. And then we're going to dive right into what the Lord has for us. I believe we have a special word, and I believe the Lord's going to do something in this room. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 says this. I am, this is Jesus speaking to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. And verse 26 here says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks Martha a question, do you believe me? Do you believe me? How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of Charles Blondine? Everybody, anybody ever heard of a man by the name of Charles Blondine? Anybody? All right, nobody? All right, let me tell you a little story about Charles Blondine. Charles Blondine was a French acrobat and tightrope walker. Now you know some of you. Are, oh, okay, now I know who this guy is. And, well, in the 1800s, he became the first man ever to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. It was, the rope was a quarter, over a quarter mile long, uh, uh, suspended in the air, 160 feet. And this man would walk across on a tightrope. And he didn't just walk across, and he didn't just do this on one occasion. He did this multiple times, multiple occasions. I read one thing that they said he probably walked across that probably over a thousand miles back and forth. And on one occasion, he walked across blindfolded. I can't walk a straight line blindfolded. I was like, golly, man. One time he walked across the the falls in the dark. Another time he crossed and he had a picnic basket and he sat down and pulled out a picnic basket and ate lunch and popped open a bottle of wine and drank some wine on this tightrope. Another time he pushed a wheelbarrow full of potatoes. And then yet another time he pushed a wheelbarrow and it had a lion inside of it. And he's pushing this lion. And at this point in time, the crowd is in a frenzy. And people everywhere are yelling for Blondine. And they're just amazed by him. And then he stops with the lion in the wheelbarrow. And he says, do you believe that I can push a human across in this wheelbarrow? And everybody's like, we believe, we believe, we believe. And he asks him again, do you believe I can push a human across in this wheelbarrow? And everybody in the crowd is, we believe, we believe. And then he says, can I get a volunteer? And it's at that point, everyone went silent. Even though just a few moments earlier, they were saying, I believe. And today, I wonder, no matter what you've said about Jesus, how many times you've said it, no matter how many times you've said you believe, I wonder today, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that Jesus can take you across any obstacle you may face? Do you believe? That's the question today. Do you believe? Let's pray. Father, I ask you in these next few moments that we have together, would you be in this room? Would you speak to every single one of us today, myself included, And Lord, we ask that question, we answer that question if we believe today. And God, we also know that there are many of us in this room who need the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives. And we ask that your power show up. 
We ask today that you open all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our ears, allow us to hear this message. I pray today that I preach clearly and effectively what you've put on my heart. And I pray that people not only in this room, but those watching online, hear, hear this message and they respond and lives are changed. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. amen. If you read the Bible, you will notice that the Bible is full of stories of resurrection. It's one of those things that when you've read the Bible or you've been in church, you've heard that there are resurrections throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, but until you really begin to dig into it, you don't realize that there are multiple places where there were resurrections in the Bible. I want to show you just a few of them. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we hear of a widow's son being brought back to life. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to look at this next week, but in Ezekiel chapter 37, we hear a story about a valley full of dead and dry bones representing the people of God. And that entire valley of dry bones comes back to life, a functioning, living army of God. In 2 Kings chapter 13, we hear this crazy story about this no-name Moabite man who died, and on their way to their next battle, they found an empty grave, a shallow grave, and they threw him in that. Well, little did they know that that's where the body of Elisha, the prophet, was laid. And when that no-name Moabite's body landed on top of Elisha, the prophet, that Moabite, could you imagine this, shot up out of that grave. Could you imagine? I was dead, and now I'm alive, and he's running with the army, you know? It's just the power of God. In Mark chapter 5, it tells us a story of a rich man's daughter who come back to life. In Acts chapter 9, we hear a story about a woman named Tabitha, where another name she went by in the Bible was Dorcas. I like Tabitha better than Dorcas. What a horrible name to have. But in the Bible, we hear about this woman named Tabitha who died, and she was laid in an upper room. And then one of the disciples by the name of Peter, he kneels beside her, and he prays. And listen to what verse 40 says. He spoke to her, and he said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw him, she said, set up and she stood up. And the greatest story of resurrection that we know today, Matthew chapter 28 verse 6, he is not here. He has risen from the dead just as he said he would. The Bible is full of stories of resurrection. The Bible is full of stories of dead things coming back to life again. But today what I want to do is I want to Focus in on a story from John chapter 11. And I, this is one of those, Easter is always an interesting time for me. Because I want to preach a message that touches every single one of us. But I know that many of us, we only walk through the doors of a church on Easter. And yet I want to communicate something that will challenge every single heart and every single life. And so this, this week I, I went through, I actually wrote two or three different messages this week, got them almost all the way through each one, and then would like wad them up and like, this is not the right message. And I was like, Lord, you've got to speak to my heart. In John chapter 11, I was reminded of this story of Lazarus. Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. And in John chapter 11, it starts by telling us about this sick man. Verse two of John chapter 11 tells us he was sick. Verse three tells us that his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus. And listen to what they said. They said, your dear friend, Lazarus, is sick. Your dear friend, 
is sick. Let's just take a moment to acknowledge today that Easter is a celebration, right? Easter is a happy day, usually around here. I don't know why, but it's usually cold and rainy, right? I don't know how many Easter's. It's like you go and you buy your little daughter an Easter dress that's strapless, and she comes into church, and she's like, I look pretty, but I'm freezing, you know? It's like, and uh, so Easter is just usually cold and rainy, but it's a celebration. It's a day of victory. It's a day of freedom. But even in the midst of celebration, even in the midst of happy days, I know that there are those of you in this room Today, those of you who are watching online, even in this day, you are hurting. You see, I know that maybe some of you have received some bad news like Lazarus. You're dying. You're sick. The one you love is sick. I know some of you have received news like, hey, the company you've worked for for 20 years is downsizing and we no longer have a place for you. I know some of you have received some news where your spouse or a friend or somebody comes to you and says, this relationship's not working for me anymore. I no longer want to be in relationship with you. Or some of you have heard, I finally want a divorce. Or others of you, maybe parents in the room, maybe a son or a daughter has come to you and said, mom and dad, I'm not sure if I believe in Jesus anymore. I'm not sure I believe he is who he says he is. So yes, on Easter Sunday, when many of us are celebrating the wonderful things that God has done for us, we can also be in mourning. Even in the midst of celebration, we can be overwhelmed with good news. I remember 18 years ago, our son Makai was born. Makai was born between four and five weeks premature. What should have been a celebration turned into a little bit of a bad day for us. The doctors come to us, and we hold him, and everything's good, and they take him back, and they're doing some checks. Tasha, I remember we were in Kansas City at the hospital there. That's where we were living at the time. And the doctors come in. They said, hey, your son is not breathing on his own. We had to intubate him. And we're now taking him to Children's Mercy Hospital in downtown Kansas City by ambulance. What should have been a celebration turned into a bad day. Not only that, I remember almost 15 years ago, our son Maddox, Tasha went to her first, one of her first ultrasounds with him. And as she goes to that ultrasound, the doctor looks at her and gives her a report and says, it looks as if there might be a hole in his heart and he might have birth defects. What should have been a good day turned into a day full of fear, a day full of what ifs. Lord, the one you love is sick. And I know that's where some of us are today. And in those moments when we find out that the one we love is sick or that life is not all that we thought it should be, how do we respond do we respond in panic? Do we respond in fear? Do we respond with doubt or do we believe? Listen how Jesus responds in verse 4. When Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. And sometimes it's like, that's easy for you to say, Jesus. But it will become an occasion for God to be glorified by glorifying his son. Listen to me, the very thing that many of us would never want to happen in our life, God can use for his glory. Now let's look at verse 5 and 6. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister Mary, and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. These two verses, of all verses in the Bible, they mess with me. These verses like mess with my faith, 
a little bit. These are people that the Bible itself says Jesus loves them. They are close friends of Jesus. You'd think that the moment that Jesus hears, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick, Jesus is like, hey, i got to stop this coffee dinner. I've got to go. I, my friend Lazarus is sick. Because I, I did some research on Jesus is about a day's journey away from where Lazarus is. So he gets news. He should have started walking immediately. He should have went to his friend, but he didn't. Do you know what he did? Nothing. He just kept hanging out where he was with his friends, just kicking back and chilling. Any of you ever felt like that? Hey, Jesus, I'm dying here. Hey, Lord, are you going to, Lord, are you going to show up? Tick, tock, tick, tock. You know, sometimes waiting on Jesus is a lot like waiting on the AT&T repairman, right? Right? You call them and they tell you, we'll be there on this Tuesday between 8 and noon. Just tell me you're going to show up at 9, you know? just And you get there and you sit there and noon comes and noon goes and one comes and one goes and then three and then five. And you're like, if you're like me, if, you're, if it's me, by 12.15, I've already called them, you know? But most of you normal people that have some patience are waiting till 5. 5.15 rolls around. You call up AT&T. Hey, uh, you guys are supposed to be at my house between 8 and noon. Yeah, we had a delay. And uh, actually, we're so backed up, we'll be at your house in three weeks. But you said you were going to be here between 8 and noon. Jesus, it's been two days. Jesus, it's been two weeks. Jesus, it's been two years. Jesus, can you hear me? Hey, Lord, do you even care? Hey, Lord, I'm dying here. I'm sick. I need you. Jesus, where are you? Two days later, Jesus is like, well, I think it's time we go and check on Lazarus. Let's pick up the story in verse 11. Jesus says this, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. The disciples, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll get well. And Jesus is like, no, you know, you're not getting it. He's dead, but I'm going to bring him back to life. And then verse 14, Lazarus has died. In verse 15, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Let's go to him. What I want to do today is I want to focus quickly on three characters in this story. This story is full of characters. This story has so many different people in it. It has mourners. It has disciples. It has the crowd. It has Jesus. This has many different people. But I want today to look at three specific characters. The first one I want to look at is Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. The second two I want to look at are the sisters, Mary and Martha. And perhaps some of you can relate to what they were walking through. I want to start with Thomas. But, you know, poor Thomas, he's still to this day known as Doubting Thomas. Wouldn't you hate for your worst mistake in the world to label you for the rest of your life? You know, like you lied one time, you know, to somebody, and, you, and the rest of the time, everybody's like, don't talk to him. That's lying Tom. You know, wouldn't that be awful? You know, or you, you cheated one day, you know, on a test, and everybody's like, oh, don't talk to Sally. That's cheating Sally. Aren't you glad that we aren't labeled by our worst mistake? But that's where Thomas is. He's known still to this day as Doubting Thomas. When we think about him, that's, that's him. That's the biggest idea we have of Thomas is he was the one who 
doubted. And so today, I think that's where a lot of us are. Number one, we're dying in our doubts. We're dying in our doubts. We're like the man in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, who when Jesus looked at him and said, do you believe? Do you believe that I can carry you across this tightrope in a wheelbarrow? Do you believe? That man said, I believe, but you can take him because I doubt. I believe, but I doubt. And that's where a lot of us are. We would like to believe. We really would, but we're dying in our doubts. We doubt our salvation. We doubt God's love. We doubt the reliability of Scripture. We doubt Jesus is who he says he is. We doubt Jesus can raise dead things back to life. We doubt that God can forgive us. We doubt that God can help us. We doubt that God can heal us. We doubt that God cares, and we find ourselves like doubting Thomas, full of doubt. In fact, John chapter 11, verse 6, it actually talks to us and tells us that uh, Jesus says, hey, we're going back to where Lazarus was. And the disciples are like, Lord, we don't want to go back there. We don't want to go back there. Why? Well, John chapter 10, verse 31 tells us that when they were last in the region where Lazarus was, the Bible tells us that they wanted to stone Jesus and the disciples. And so the disciples are like, we don't want to go back there. We don't want to die. When I'm saying they wanted to stone them, I'm not talking about like, the kind that some people like. I'm talking about the type that leads to death, all right? They didn't want to give them drugs. They wanted to kill them. So they're like, hey, we don't want to go there. And so doubting Thomas, but listen what Thomas says. Great, let's go there so they can kill us too. Sounds a little pessimistic, right? Sounds like he's got some fear. And I'm curious on this Easter weekend, how many of you would say, yeah, you don't have to raise your hand, but answer this in your heart. How many of you would say, yeah, Pastor Chad, on this Easter weekend, I'm wrestling with some doubts. I'm wrestling with doubt. I'm wrestling the, with the idea that God can. Maybe you feel like David in Psalm 69.3 when David said, I'm hoarse from calling for help. I'm bleary-eyed from searching the sky for God. I'm full of doubt. Hey, God, why did you let my mom die? Hey, God, do you even hear my prayer? God, do you even know my name? God, do you know where I am? Why do I feel so hopeless? God, do you really love me? God, do you know what I've done? Can you forgive me? God, I want to believe. I really do want to believe. And that's where I think a lot of us are. We want to believe in God. We do. There's like this inner stirring. And I believe God put that inner stirring in all of us. But many of us, we're allowing the voice of doubt to be louder than the voice of faith. We want to believe, but we are full of doubt. And we are dying in our doubts. Another group, maybe you're not dying in your doubts, but maybe you're a little bit more like Mary and you're dying in your discouragement. Dying in your discouragement. You see, discouragement is universal. Everybody is impacted by it. Every single one of us have dealt with discouragement at one point or another in our life. None of us in this room are immune to discouragement. And I think if we allow discouragement to linger, unattended to, discouragement leads to depression. And depression, if we leave it unattended to, it can lead to worth worse. And that's where we find Mary here. In John chapter 11, Mary is discouraged. Look at verse 20. It tells us Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, 
She went out to meet Jesus. But what did Mary do? Mary stayed home. What's the point? Why even bother? And that's what discouragement does to us. Discouragement tells us to throw in the towel. Discouragement tells us there's no hope. Discouragement tells us he's already dead. And this is where some of us are. Discouragement today has caused you to throw in the towel. No hope. I want to believe in Jesus. I really do want to believe in him, but I've messed up so bad. I've gone too far. I've failed too many times. What's the use? Why even try? And we just find ourselves discouraged and depressed and hopeless. And in verse 31, we see that Mary is simply hanging out with the mourners. She's hanging out with the people who are attached to the death. And that's where some of us are. That's where some of us are right now. We're dying in our discouragement. We're stuck. We hang out with people who are discouraged. We hang out with people who feed our discouragement. We hang out with people who feel hopeless. We hang out with people who offer us like comfort in our hopelessness. But today, I believe, and I was even this morning as I was praying, as the Lord just whispered to my heart and he said, Chad, today I want to restore joy. To those who are discouraged, God says to you, I want to give you back your joy. To those who are discouraged, God says, I want to give you back peace today. He doesn't want to just give you a happy moment. He wants to give you joy, something inside of you that's founded and based on him. And I believe with everything in me, there are some people here today, you are discouraged, you are hopeless, you feel stuck, just like Mary. But God says today, I want to give you back your joy. And I know many of us, we come into a room like this on Easter and we put on our Easter best and we put on our smiles but listen to me you can have a smile on the outside but in the inside you're dying on the inside you're full of discouragement on the inside you're full of despair and I think that's where some of us are today we look good on the outside and nobody would know and we never tell anybody we're discouraged but on the inside we're dying and we feel hopeless what's the point what's the use why even try why even care He's dead. He's forgotten me. He's abandoned me. He doesn't know my name. I've failed too many times. And we just live in our discouragement. And we live in our despair. And today God says, I want to give you back your joy. I want to give you back your hope. I want to give you back your peace. Some of us, were dying in our doubts. Some of us, were dying in our discouragement. And some of us are like Martha, and we're dying because of the delay. Now, I want to tell you guys, I, all three of these things I'm preaching on today, I preach on them because I, I struggle with all of them. I struggle with doubt. I struggle with discouragement. But the biggest one that is a wrestling match for me is delay. Because I hate it. When God doesn't move as quickly as I think he should move. And it messes with my faith. When God doesn't show up as quickly as I think he should, it messes with my faith. And here's the truth. Honestly, delay, when God delays and doesn't move as quick as I think, that's what oftentimes leads to doubt for me. That's what oftentimes leads to discouragement for me. And that's where some of you are today. You're finding yourself looking at your watch. God, why did you take so long? I asked you a year ago for this and nothing. You've just been silent. God, I asked you five years ago for this. For me, sometimes like, God, I asked you 12 seconds ago and you haven't moved. Look at John chapter 11, verse 17. 
Talk about delay. Listen to this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already died and had been in the tomb for four days. What's the significance here? Four days. I don't know if you know this, but the Jewish people believed, they had a superstition, that a soul, once they died, would stay near the grave for three days, hoping that they could get back into the body and come back to life. So it was a Jewish superstition. And so when the body would be dead on the fourth day, their superstition was the soul would leave and go wherever it was going to go. And so we find Jesus waiting four days. He's dealing with this superstition right here. And, we, and the, their belief was that after the fourth day, there was no hope. No hope of life. No hope of resurrection. And that's where we find ourselves in this story. And that's where some of you find yourselves today feeling hopeless because of the delay. And the delay in this story resulted in death. The only hope now in this story is a miracle. The only hope now in this story is supernatural power. That's the only hope. So let's pick up the story in verse 21. And let's get real. All of you in this room, let's kind of, let, let's kind of open up our hearts. And let's be real for the next few moments. Lord... If you had been here earlier when I asked you to. Lord, if you had been here when I prayed last night. Lord, if you had been here when I asked you, I wouldn't be divorced now. Lord, if you had been here when I asked you, my mom wouldn't have died. Lord, if you had been here when I asked you in that moment of weakness in my flesh, I wouldn't have fallen into that temptation. Lord, if you had been here when I asked you to help me with my discouragement, I wouldn't have attempted suicide. Lord, if only you'd been here, where were you? I sent a text. I sent a prayer. I asked the intercessors. I asked this person to pray. I read the Bible. Lord, where were you when I needed you the most? And that's what Martha, that's what Martha is saying right here. If you had just come earlier, and what I really believe she's saying is this is your fault. You caused this. There's nothing you can do about it now. Our superstition says his soul's already left him. There's no hope. If you'd been here earlier, you could have done something, but you didn't. Why didn't you come earlier? Why didn't you come? And some of you today, you can relate. Jesus, you could have done something, but you didn't. And I feel that that's where a lot of us are with our faith is we find ourselves in moments where we're wrestling because God didn't move in the way that we thought God should move or in the time that we thought God should move. And so we find ourselves frustrated and we might be sitting in a church on Easter, but inside we really don't believe. Inside we really don't believe that Jesus can push us across the wheelbarrow and keep us safe. We really don't believe that Jesus can do it because he's delayed one too many times and now I'm full of discouragement and now I'm feeling full of doubt. God, why did you take so long? Why did you take so long? Let me give you some hope today. Delay doesn't mean denial. And the only reason I can say this today is because I've dealt with this. I've been at the place in my life, in my family's life, in people in this church. I've been at the place where I thought delay was going to mean death. I thought that. I thought this is the place that it's going to be. And I know when day after day after day passes, I want you to hear me. When day after day passes, 
and you still have no answer from God, it's tough to believe. It's tough to have hope. It's tough to have faith. But I want you to hear me. Just because God seems silent, it doesn't mean he's walked away. Perfect example of that is the reason we're all here today, right? On Saturday, the world seemed silent. On Saturday, there seemed to be no hope. But Sunday was coming. Listen to me today. Delay isn't denial. Delay doesn't mean he's mad. Delay doesn't mean he's failed you. Delay doesn't mean he's forgotten you. Delay doesn't mean he doesn't know your name. Delay doesn't mean there's no hope. Delay doesn't mean he's not going to do it. I want you to hear me today. Satan wants you to keep living in your doubts. Satan wants you to stay discouraged. Satan wants to convince you that slow change means no change. Satan wants you to believe that delay equals denial. But I want to tell you today, the devil is and he always has been a liar. And so I want to give you some hope today. God has heard your prayer. God does know your name. God does know where you are. God does love you. God can forgive you. God can restore you. God can give you hope. God can heal your marriage. God can bring your prodigal son home. God can. God can. God can. He can do it. Here's what I want you to get today. Delay doesn't mean denial. Delay just means God is working. Ask Abraham. Ask Joseph. Ask David, ask Elijah, ask Lazarus, ask Jesus. Delay doesn't mean denial. Delay just means God is working. So let's make sure we're all on the same page, right? Lazarus is dead. Thomas is freaking out. Mary and Martha are full of doubt, discouragement, depression, delay. But I want you to watch what happens in this story. Watch it turn. Look at Martha. Look back at verse 21. Again, she comes back. Let's just be real. She comes to Jesus. She's like, hey, this is your fault. You made this happen. But notice what she says next. I want you to hear this. This is the key today. But even now. Everybody say that with me. Say, even now. Even now. Somebody needs to get a hold of this right now by faith. Even now. This is an ultimate statement of faith right here. She's been living with discouragement and doubt and de delay and defeat and death, all of it. She's been living with all of that. And that's where some of you find yourself today. You've been living with delay. You've been living with doubt. You've been living with discouragement and your faith has been rocked. But today you find yourself sitting in this room on this Easter Sunday morning. And I want to tell you that even now, God can move. Even now. And that's what Martha says here. She says, even now, I know that God can give you whatever you ask even now what incredible faith even though we're dead in delay even though we're dead in our discouragement even though we're dead in our doubts even though we've been having pity parties even though we've been wallowing in it just a little bit God we know today that we know that we know that we know that beyond the shadow of a vow even now you can move even now you can answer and some of you today you need an even now moment right now in this room you need it in your doubts, know that even now, He is here. In your doubts, in your discouragement, know that even now, He is moving. Even now, He is giving peace. Even now, He is pursuing you. Even now, He's not letting go. Even now, He's forgiving. Even now, He's restoring. Even now, He's saving people. Even now, He's offering love. Even now, everybody say that with me. Say, even now, 
In fact, what I want to do right now is if you're in this room or if you're watching online and you need an even now moment with God, you need just to kind of have your faith renewed or you're in this room and you're sick or you're in your discouragement or doubt or delay and something is stirring on the inside of you and you need an even now moment with God, I want you to stand to your feet. If you need an even now moment with God, I want you to stand because I believe right now, we're not done, but I believe right now God is going to move in this service. Even now, who else? I need an even now moment with God. I have cancer. I have sickness. I have some things where I don't have answers, where I need answers. I'm hopeless. I'm lost. I've got a son or a daughter who's running from God. But even now, I need an answer. I need, who else? Just stand to your feet. Band, let's build. Let's pray. Just play. Just come on. Come on, let's play. Come on, let's play. Make it louder. Let's go. Come on. Build it. Right now, if you're there, I want you to lift both hands. And I want you to begin to pray. Ask the Lord right now where you sit, where you stand. God, I believe. Tell it. I believe. Tell it. Say, I believe. I believe. I believe. Tell it right now. I believe. Even now, I know that you can move. Even now, I know that you can heal. Even now, I know that you can restore. Even now, I know that you can bring back to life. Even now, even now, I know it. I know it. I know it. Right now, we thank you that even now you're touching every heart, you're touching every life, you're changing families, you're healing, you're restoring, you're bringing back to life. We've been in the grave, we've been in the tomb, we've been hopeless, we've been helpless, but we know that even now, and so I pray for every single individual who stood by faith, and I'm believing that on this Easter Sunday morning, whatever's been going on in their life today, you've answered. Today, you've delivered. Today, you've set free. All right, you can be seated. I want to finish up. Even now. Even now. Notice what John, Jesus says in verse 23. Hey, Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha's like, I know, I know he's going to rise just like everybody else did. And Jesus says, no, you're not getting it. I want you to hear me. Come back to the verse we started with at the beginning, John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection. See, he was looking at Martha and he was saying, hey, Martha, I don't know just a little bit about resurrection. I haven't just read some stories about resurrection. I haven't just got some, you know, some false lot truths or whatever. I've, I, I am the resurrection. I am life. I am what I, what's he saying? I am the power. I am the one that can raise the dead things in your life. I am the one that can restore. I am the one that can renew. I am the one that can revive. I am the one that can heal. I am the one that can deliver. He's saying that's who I am and I'm standing right in front of you and then he asked Martha the question that I ask all of you at the beginning. Do you believe? Do you So let's jump ahead to verse 39. Jesus now standing in front of the tomb. Lazarus has been dead four days. And he says, let's roll away the stone. And Martha, with one last moment of doubt, discouragement, delay, all wrapped in one, she's like, but Lord, it's going to smell. He's been dead for four days. Again, if you'd been here. But verse 40, he says, hey, Martha, didn't I tell you if you'd believe, you would see and he prays, and then verse 43, he calls out in a loud voice, and he says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead men came out, but his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth. And here's the key right here. And Jesus said, take the 
grave clothes off of them. And I believe that's what Jesus is saying to us in this room today. Those of you that just a moment ago stood, I believe you stood by faith. And what that was is Jesus was just beginning to remove the grave clothes. He was removing the binders. He was removing what's discouraged you. He was removing what's been causing you doubt and depression and delay. And today you're going to walk in faith and in victory. And so I have a closing question for you. If a widow's son can be raised from the dead, if Lazarus can be raised from the dead, if an entire full valley full of dry and dead bones can begin a begin to be a breathing, living, functioning army, if Jesus Christ himself can raise from the dead, listen to me, can Jesus do the same for all of us today? Can Jesus do the same for you? Can he heal your marriage? Can he save your soul? Can he forgive your sins? Can he redeem you? Can he revive you? Well, John chapter 14 gives us the answer. Listen to John 14. Jesus speaking here. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And in just a little while, the Lord, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me. And listen to what he says. I am alive, and you are about to come alive. That's good news today. That's the good news that we celebrate. Because he lives, I can live. Because he lives, I can live. And this is what Easter is all about. Easter is about Jesus coming back to life. But did you know the greatest miracle on Easter? Throw stones at me if you want to. But I think the greatest miracle on Easter wasn't what happened with the resurrection of Jesus. I believe it's what happened throughout the ages of history. Because he lives, I can live. I think that's the greatest miracle, that he can take a sinner and save him. We no longer need a sacrifice. We have a permanent sacrifice. His name is Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, listen what it says. One man died for everyone. We don't have to have anybody put blood above our door anymore. Jesus already did that. That puts everyone in the same boat. Listen, he included everyone in his death so that everyone can be included in his life. A resurrection life. A life far better than people ever lived on their own. Today, that's good news. One man named Jesus paid the ultimate price for your sins. He died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave and he didn't raise just so he could say look at me but he came up out of that grave so that you and me could have faith and that we could believe that Jesus can raise the dead things inside of me Jesus can take me in a wheelbarrow across a tightrope and take care of me why because he is the resurrection and the life and today I say to you because Jesus is alive you too can have life let's pray Jesus right now in this place I ask you in these next few moments, would you do what you want to do? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.